Hi. Hello. I'm Randy. And I'm Claire. And you're listening to Killer Vibes. A true crime podcast. All right, friends. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we left off talking about the beginning of the trial of Francis and her brothers for the murder of Edward Hall and Eleanor Mills. Two lovers found underneath a tree. A dun, crab dun, apple tree. A, specifically a crab apple tree. If you're wondering, <laughs> I do know. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to give you a quick profile of each of the suspects because, um, as you know, one of our lovely eyewitnesses, uh, Jane Gibson, um, heard someone say the name Henry when the crime was being committed on September 14th, 1922. Oh, the 20s. Um, so we have our first Henry because there's two of them. Um, his name is Henry de la Bruyere Carpenter. Okay. Yeah. So he's French. De la Bruyere Carpenter. De la Bruyere Baba. Yeah. Carpenter. Carpenter. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's like French, totally American. Um, so he was born um, in 1882, and he is related to Frances um, through her mom. So her mom and his dad are siblings. Um, so... He works as a Wall Street stockbroker, but he lives in New Brunswick because we all know New Jersey, New Jersey is just cheaper to live in, mm-hmm. even back then. Manhattan, get your together. So clearly the only reason that he's sort of like brought to trial is because the name Henry was heard um, mm-hmm. by Jane that night. Um, but we have another brother who's named Henry, um, and this Henry wasn't even like brought to trial. He wasn't arrested. Uh-huh. Um, I think it was just because it just didn't make sense that yeah. he was there. He doesn't live with Francis like her brother Willie does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't know. I didn't get a lot on Henry. I tried to just like Google his name uh-huh. and it was like, find a grave, Henry. And I was like, that's not what I want. <laughs> um, so it like, it didn't make any sense that he would be brought to trial. So they he didn't end up arresting him for anything. Um, and then, of course, Frances herself, um, mostly because she was seven years older than Mr. Edward, and she came from old money, and there was a clear element of jealousy because Edward was ha- carrying on a, like a totally obvious affair with Eleanor, um, and he's a religious man. And I don't know, if I were Frances and I'm marrying someone who studied theology, who supposedly has this very religious dedication to the church. Um, and, you know, evangelical religion is very serious. They're very devo- devout people. And so marrying a reverend, it's like, eh, he's never going to cheat on me. Yeah. And then he it's promptly does. <laughs> yeah, right? And then he does it anyway. If anyone's um, not going to, it's yeah, that it would, guy. it would be a reverend, um, which actually there are a lot of instances of reverends being complete and utter dicks. <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so I can understand her anger mm-hmm. and understand her frustration because he's just using her for her money. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the motive is yep, there. We have a motive. We have a pure, very clean cut motive. Um, and then the second Henry, um, who is Henry Helgill Stevens. The cousin? No. The this brother. is the brother. Okay. Um, so he was born um, 1869, so he's significantly older, and um, he's a retired exhibition marksman. So he's a gunman. No, okay. I was like, mm-hmm. what is that? Yeah. So basically, when the prosecution is bringing forth their case, they state that he's the one who fired the shots because he's mm, a gunman. Probably. Um, the 
as we said in the first episode, um, looking at um, Eleanor's autopsy, the gun, the like bullet wounds are very congested on her face. They're very poignant and clearly well, like they were shot well. They weren't shot at close range. We do know that. Okay. Um, Because the, they went and through. And one's literally in the middle of her forehead. Yeah, exactly. It's like a perfect shot. And this guy is a marksman. So well, that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So he's not only someone who likes to like play around with guns, he can hit a target. So there's that. Um, Henry actually testified that he was fishing miles away from the murder on the night of the killing. And there are three witnesses that corroborated his story. Um, so I think that's generally why they kind of brought in the cousin in the mix. But he wasn't even put on trial, and this Henry was, despite the three witnesses. And it's just it's just really confusing. I think they were just trying to, like, put someone at the scene named Henry because mm-hmm. that's what Jane said. Um, I feel like it would—I feel like as a prosecution attorney, you don't want to confuse your jury at all. No. So I feel like sometimes they make decisions that don't necessarily make sense when you— think about who all should be held accountable but they do when you think about how am I gonna at least get someone held accountable you don't want to confuse a jury in any way because that can lead to reasonable doubt yeah yeah absolutely and to get a conviction in this case which had already been sitting as a cold case for like Mm -hmm. four years and the trial was already taking a significant amount of time you just need to be clean cut and dry and just say here are the people Mm -hmm. um and you know again he had an alibi Mm-hmm. So it's a little You just confusing. don't want to introduce that, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, at all. it's just like, we're just going to keep him there. So yeah. that kind of makes sense. I understand why you wouldn't want to confuse the jury, just like you said. Um, so her other brother, William Carpenter Stevens, um, was born in 1872, and he actually owned a 32 caliber pistol like the one that was used in the murder, although the firing ne- mechanism was supposed to be filed down so he couldn't hurt himself with it. Um, so... In the prosecution scenario, he provided the weapons and his fingerprints were found on the calling card that was left at the scene of the crime. So he wasn't, again, the calling card is hard to present as evidence because the crowd had passed it around before police officers could even get a hold of it. Mm -hmm. Because as we talked about before, this whole crime scene was crawling with people. And if you guys want to look at the description, there's a picture posted of all of these people like taking pieces of bark off of the tree as like a souvenir for the crime or whatever, since it was such a highly romanticized event. Um, So if I was the defense, I would definitely like want that stricken from the record because of the amount of fingerprint evidence that would be all over that thing. It just doesn't make any sense. But they did pull his fingerprints from it. Which is interesting because he wasn't at the scene when people, when like everybody okay, was then there. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah. And it was a private business card that I'm sure Edward had in his possession, like in like a little metal box. You know what I mean? Like people carry And is around. there any, well, he could have had it from before, I guess. Like he could yeah. have, like, I don't know. I feel like I could, ex- you could explain that away. But also, mm-hmm. it's, I mean, William did live with them. That's the other thing. But they did find him on, the thing so there you go um he was a really colorful character on the witness stand is what they (laughs) describe him as um delivering a credible and an unsympathetic and like they say like a not unsympathetic testimony so like he was just very sympathetic like people sympathized with him he (laughs) he was just a really gregarious outgoing sort of over the top 
Why thing. do you have to say not unsympathetic? I don't just know. Just say he was sympathetic. That's <laughs> exactly. What, that's what I got from the source that I used, which, you know, whatever. Um, so he was incapable of holding a job, um, and he spent most of his time, like, hanging out at a local firehouse. Sorry, it just reminded me of the LSAT. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Does that not remind you of the LSAT where they what? purposefully will, like, say, oh, yeah. like, flip the words to yeah, confuse to confuse you? your brain, and you're like, oh. How's your logic? Yeah, I just we're had a just flashback. Gonna use, Sorry. We're going to use bad grammar to mess you up yeah. so you don't get into law school. <laughs> it's very nice of them to do that. Anyway, yeah, no, I completely agree with you. They do that in almost like every other question, especially yeah. in the logic stuff. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's horrible. Um, so for anyone who's taken the LSAT, you know exactly what I mean. Um, so although the syndrome had not been clinically described during his lifetime, um, Willie Stevens' eccentric personality was consistent with Asperger's and um, was also... Is this why his gun was supposed to be altered? Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Yeah, supposedly. I was it like, was why altered. would they do that? Then I... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so the gun was altered so that he wouldn't hurt himself because gotcha. he, he, ha- he was on the spectrum. And of course, in the 1920s, the spectrum wasn't even a thing. And autism... So they just... Didn't really know. Yeah, and autism wasn't dealt with to the level that we deal with it now. It wasn't as recognized. It was just considered to be like a personality thing. Um, So due to his, again, they couldn't actually prescribe him with Asperger's because that wasn't a thing yet. Um, So, you know, he was just very eccentric. And Mm -hmm. so people... So they just treated him like... Yeah, well... Better safe than sorry, I guess. Yeah. As opposed to understanding... Exactly. He's still a capable human being. Exactly. And so, of course, they bring to the sand the beautiful, wonderful pig farmer, Jane Gibson. And pig lady to the rescue. Pig woman. Pig woman. Pig woman. Sorry. sorry. She's a woman. She is a woman. Killing it. Because she wasn't really a lady. She wasn't a lady, though. She was was a pig farmer. Oh. That's probably why they didn't call her pig lady. lady like woman. Yeah. Killing it. (laughs) It doesn't matter, you know? Um, So... This is terrible. Did she rock a pantsuit to this trial? No, she rocked a hospital bed. So, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I really set you up. For that. <laughs> yeah, you really did. That was perfect. <laughs> Segway. She had cancer during oh, this no. entire trial. Yeah, so she was actually wheeled into the courthouse on her hospital bed. Don't worry, friends. I have a picture. Oh, let me see. Yes. Um, <laughs> there she is. Oh my god! I know you can look at it in the this description. This is so weird. I know it's she's just sitting there with a whole bunch of white men in very dark <laughs> suits, and then there she is in a very stark a white very giant hospital bed. bed. I know, and you can already see the media circus that this whole entire yeah. trial was because clearly this isn't in England. You're not like being tried by a whole bunch of people. It's like one guy, and then there's a ton of people in the audience, and there's media people everywhere. It's just nuts. So, um, so she's literally in bed. She's just snuggled up in bed. I know. And she's so sick, the poor thing. And this is horrible. Her mom is in the crowd and she's yelling to everybody while Jane is giving her testimony. She's yelling. She's a liar, liar, liar. She's a liar. About Jane? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so her mom, her mom is there. And she's like telling everybody that her daughter is a liar. I don't know. And they didn't kick her out of the courtroom? No. This is the 1920s. The disaster, the like chaos feeds it. It's like a, that was the entertainment. Okay. You know what I mean? I would love to go see that trial. Oh, me too. Me too. Now it's like out of the courtroom, <laughs> out not, of the in, court. not yeah, in here. Right. Exactly. It's so boring. Yeah. So Ju- I, justice is so boring. Justice is ju- <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> the most ridiculous. Um. Anyway, so I just feel really bad for this per- me poor too. girl. She's, I can't believe you know, they even made her come. I know. But, exactly. She's I mean, dying. they don't have a case without her, so I. 
I no, can see that. Exactly. But... And I mean, honestly, like they did this just in time. Imagine if it had been like a couple years later. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she passed away like soon after this trial, but I'm sure cancer completely like I'm sure it killed her. This yeah, is the 1920s. Yeah. yeah, you know. Or 26. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. Four years later, friends. I just think that's a ridiculous amount of time to wait for a trial. But anyway, um, especially when there's like a killer on the loose. And it's pretty obvious that they were killed by Francis, but whatever. Yeah. But they're um, probably not that concerned about the killer because really. it was clearly she just wasn't, for that reason. Yeah. yeah. She's it not was, like a crazy. No, she's not a serial killer. Serial she's not going to go kill yeah. anyone else. Like, this is just, that's going to be, it's still horrible to kill anyone, but <laughs> yeah, overall. Um, so this is insane. They brought 157 witnesses to the sand for this case. And they exhumed the bodies, and they found that they totally missed this the first time, which I was like, are you f***ing me? (laughs) Um, So the larynx and tongue had been cut out of Eleanor. Like, like her larynx had been completely removed. Like an Ed Kemper? Yeah. I didn't know what that was until you told me. Yeah. It's part of your throat. (laughs) Um, And I, I, I think I know why they did this. She was a choir singer. Mm. They totally removed her voice. Interesting. Like that was her appeal. She was a beautiful singer um, and she was a beautiful woman. Mm -hmm. Like she, that was what, you know, and they actually, the press called her the glamour girl of the choir. That was her moniker. That's a pretty, that makes the crime so much more gruesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like to just shoot someone. I mean, that alone does take quite a bit of anger, Mm -hmm. but I feel like just shooting someone and then running away yeah. Isn't that doesn't make me that suspect of you as like a psychopath, but no. taking someone's larynx out is is so crazy. Yeah, and her tongue. They and cut her out tongue. her tongue. And that's like disgusting. <laughs> Super gross. And then they slit her throat completely. Oh, open. I forgot about that part. Like it was it wasn't just like a little slit. It was right, the right. whole thing. And then I'm sure they reached in and <gasps> ripped out her throat. Yeah, that's yeah. a lot. It's just horrible. It's just really gruesome. That makes you so much like more like higher up on the scary murder yeah. <laughs> you know scale so there's the scary murder yeah. scale when you shoot someone you're at the bottom yeah it's when like, you you know right there yeah, it's still scary but but not as scary because it's quicker and, and you it's probably just yeah. ran away right and then you've got like stabbing that's a little above shooting yeah a little, little I, think, I don't i'd hate to be stabbed because that takes a while unless Me you too. like get stabbed in the right place which if you're doing, if you're gonna kill anyone and you're not a medical professional, you don't know where to stab anybody. Anyway, so and then there's like, like brutality is at the top, mm-hmm. which is what this is. Yeah, this like, is disgusting. Yeah, it's horrible. And of course, she was shot in the head, like right in the head. That would have killed her instantly. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fact that they had to do it, it was like they had to get rid of her. Yeah, voice. she doesn't even know. Yeah, she's exactly. not even gonna be aware that that even happened. Right. It's just for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that also leads me to believe more that Francis is the one who did this because of the brutality mm-hmm. of Eleanor. And then, of course, her husband was just like there. And then the watch was gone. So, for, like, as I when I said in the first episode, um, when I was describing all of their clothing, his watch was missing. And I'm pretty sure Francis bought him the watch and was like, I'm taking that back. Mm-hmm. I bought it. My money. Yeah. It's mine now. <laughs> I'm giving it to someone who would appreciate it. It was like well, probably a gift. That's totally speculation on my part, but it just seems that to seems fit. Like a, like a right response. I mean, not a not right, but I see her anger here. Yes. Absolutely. I understand why she's angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it just again, how why would you rip out her larynx if you just were mad? If you yeah. were just mad. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? And that doesn't, and that makes it seem much less likely that, um, that uh, Mills, what's the husband's name? What's James. Eleanor's husband? Yeah, James. Ja- that makes it James way out of the picture because yeah, if he were to do this, he would probably the brutality be- would be directed towards Edward, not Eleanor, probably. Yeah, exactly. Because I mean, he might know, kill her, but he's not gonna right. But he loved her. Yeah, he, you know, I think. <laughs> I mean, you know, like he, you know, they had two, they had two kids. That's that's what my biggest thing is. Mm-hmm. Is that why would he kill her when they have a family? Well, I mean, and I mean, family there, there annihilators do that all of the course, time. You know, but... and oh my god, there's like that boxer that killed his entire family because he was on steroids and it messed with his brain. There's a lot of like family annihilator stories. We yeah. should do one. We'll okay. do one. We'll do Sometime. one. Don't worry, friends. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about a family annihilator at another episode. <laughs> we'll find a really good one. Yes, like a really like meaty one. Anyway, um, so as I said before, media was everywhere. They gave Eleanor a moniker. They gave Jane a moniker, and there was a silent film that was released a year before the trial called The Goose Woman, and <laughs> it was about this murder. So it was just nuts. The Goose Woman? Yeah, it was Why? called the Go- I don't know. I haven't watched it. <laughs> I just, like, saw that, and I was like, huh, that was released a year before the trial even happened. Okay, whatever. But that just, like, shows you the the amount of... I don't know, media circus that this was. Um, I would, not that I think they shouldn't be brought to justice, but uh I feel like an attorney could have had a, argued that there would be an unfair trial. Yeah, absolutely. With the amount of media coverage that occurred. Yeah, exactly. And um, so it even brought Damon Runyon. Do you know who that is? Mm -mm. So he's a famous American newspaperman in a short short story writer Mm -hmm. um and he's like he's an insanely popular journalist and he's even at this trial like he like his whole i don't know he like he gave birth to the prohibition era journalism okay so (laughs) the fact that he was there and like reporting on all of this and the new york times covering it like 60 times it was on cover that's nuts yeah so it's just a crazy trial um so this is horrible. So it's like three-month process to go through this trial. 157 witnesses. They have three people arrested for this, and the jury doesn't convict a single one of them. Really? Yeah. They all walked free. Even with all the media yep. coverage? Wow. Yep. They all walked out. All three of them. Well, you know what? There's not really any physical evidence. Exactly. Exactly. So I... I probably wouldn't convict either. Mm-hmm. Their defense lawyer was, like, solid. I don't know who it was, but, like, it's just, what do you have? You know, like, it's yeah. the police. You just have some circumstances that mm-hmm. definitely point towards them. But yes, but you can't prove not... that in a court of law. Yeah. That's not how law works, and that's how it should be. Like, you can't just convict someone on circum- circumstantial evidence. No matter how it was circumstantial yeah. it or is. Or hearsay, like the, like, like the secondhand Louise, evidence. Yeah. yeah, like Louise's stuff, because she didn't even come forward with that. And um, it was just a mess. So I can, I, I totally understand why they mm-hmm. didn't convict any of the people yeah, they too. had brought forward. And I I'm, wouldn't expect a 1922's jury, though, to be that. Exactly. And <laughs> that it wasn't, harsh on them. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't like it is today. I, I keep on thinking about, like, the O.J. Simpson trial mm-hmm. and the media circus that that was. Mm-hmm. And the poor jury had to be so secluded for such yeah. a long time. They couldn't watch any news. They couldn't do any of this. And then this stuff was happening. And I'm sure that wasn't the same yeah. back then. I'm sure that everybody was reading the newspaper. And they all had speculations and all that 
that stuff. Again, I don't know what the trial system was like back in the 1920s. I don't know the viability of everything, um, but I know it probably wasn't up to today's standards. Um, And the O.J. Simpson trial is a huge proof of that. Like, we changed a lot of different ways that we try people based off of that trial. So, and that happened in the 1990s. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's a significant amount of time from this case. So anyway, um, I have a statement from Francis that, again, made the cover of the New York Times on December 4th. And um, the statement is, my brothers and I are very glad after four years of gossip and false accusations to have the opportunity to face the situation in open court, to have personally gone on the witness stand and submitted ourselves to thorough cross-examination and to have obtained complete vindication through the verdict of the Somerset County Court. So she's a very eloquent lady. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice statement. Yeah, exactly. And she clearly feels like she didn't do it. I think she did it, but whatever. So the murder is unsolved. It remains unsolved mm-hmm. to this day. But it has been revisited several times. So it was revisited in 1964 when William um, Kunstler, <laughs> which is just like a gross name, um, <laughs> he weighed in on a theory in his book, The Minister and the Choir Singer, appropriate, he proposed that the adulterous couple had violated the moral code of the Ku Klux Klan and the positioning of the bodies, the mutilation of the girl's throat and the scattered love letters were all signatures of the hooded terrorists, apparently. That's what he says, um, which would have meant that the two were in the Ku Klux Klan. And I don't think they were. Mm, what? Well, I don't know. I don't know. But again, I, that's I didn't find any evidence. I don't really of have the, any reason to believe they are or aren't. Yeah, so. exactly. I didn't find any evidence of any similar killings like that with the Ku Klux Klan connection. Mm-hmm. Um, it just like that's I just don't random. Know. It just maybe, like a very, maybe. Yeah, and I mean, he wrote a whole book on it. So, and I haven't read it, but like. It seems like he probably has some foundation to that Interesting. claim. Yeah. Um, so it, it's a curious thing. Um, so now we're going to talk about the book. Okay. I, so I've told you this whole case. <laughs> I've, you know, I've explained all of it. 1920s. What book do you think that this, that is based off of this? Can you give me a hint? Because I've really been trying to think about this and I haven't, nothing's popped in my head. The movie was released, re-released recently. There's an older version of it that was extremely popular. It won Oscars and has a really famous frontline actor in it. I mean, I just, Great Gatsby just keeps coming to my mind because you're talking about the 20s, but I don't know what that has to do with this. It's the Great Gatsby. What What does that have to do with this? Yeah, so here's here's, here's the connection. Like old money? Yeah, so it all has to do, so it all has to do with star-crossed lovers and the fate of you know, love quarrels and all of that stuff. So the reason why they're connected, and there's, again, there's a very long essay that you can read about it if you want. I can post it on the description if you want me to. Um, But it's just like the star-crossed lover element, and Fitzgerald, F. Scott Fitzgerald, um, learned about the case and then wrote the book several years later. So people think Mm. that when he learned about it and about how difficult it is to carry on a love affair and how it never works out in the end, and even if you plan to elope and run away, um, someone always ends up getting hurt. Mm-hmm. So um, that's how it happened. And of course, at the end of uh, Great Gatsby, spoiler alert, but it was written in the 20s, Gatsby dies. Um, and he's, you know, isn't he killed by Buchanan? Doesn't Buchanan like shoot him or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the pool. Yeah. So. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I said yes and then I second guessed yeah, it. Yeah, I'm pretty Probably, sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's, you know, like we have a spouse 
jealousy yeah, raging sense. through and they kill so that more person. Like, more like the themes of this crime mm-hmm. inspired the book, inspired not, not the actual crime. Yeah, I know. Exactly. So it wasn't the actual physical crime that was like... In a lot of the new money, old money, mm-hmm. like Love affair, how that, that has mean? to... How different you know, classism and yeah, I can mm-hmm. see that. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. So that's what it, that the great Gatsby inspired supposedly by this uh, book. And I found that in several of my sources at like the end, that was like the So that makes sentence. it even more weird that this yeah. isn't a super famous mm-hmm. crime. Exactly. Because that book is so popular yeah. all over the place and people love it. And um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I think this case has gone by the wayside because it happened so long ago and while the media coverage was so huge back then, I mean, prohibition was also happening. And then you have like the stark stock market crash, which would happen. And um, a whole bunch of like creepy murders in the 30s would eventually like run over and all that stuff. But yeah, so that's the case. Thank you guys for listening. Um, I love that story. Yes, that was I so really, good. Very yeah. murder mystery. Yeah, very old time. Very Hollywood. I yes. liked it. Yeah, I liked that case a lot. I just thought it was really interesting. Nobody else had covered it um, very heavily. I think there was only like one other podcast that talked about it. Mm. Um, and I'd never heard of them before. Um, so, it, you know, I think this case deserves a little bit more attention because of the love affair interest in it. And it's still an open case, although we all know that Francis totally did this. <laughs> Francis. And, um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, thank you guys for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. <laughs> Bye.